I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. What's up and welcome to Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast recorded live from King's Comics, which is... Uh, 310 Pitt Street in Sydney. <laughs> the number I will never remember. I know it's. I know where it is. I just don't know how to tell you where it is. But it's, luckily... Yeah, it took me like six months. Uh, not six months, like six years of working here before I remembered the phone I, I number mean, or the address. I could look around and I'm sure I would see the address written on some of the... One of the walls or packages yeah. in this room. Almost definitely. Anyway, my name is Andrew Levins. My co-host name is Siobhan Coombs. Hello. And uh, every week we read all of the comics that get released and let you know which are the ones you should be reading to. This week... DC forgot to put out any Rebirth books, but hey. don't worry, the rest of the publishers decided to make up for it, and everyone put out about 10 number ones. Mm. So we have a lot of number ones, as you will hear in our beginning segment, First Things First, in which we review all of the new number one issues that came out this week, and annuals too. Mm-hmm. What should we start with, Siobhan? Um, I mean, should we start with Marvel? Let's start with Marvel. That's a Marvel one. Uh, so Marvel put out all new Wolverine annual number one. Written by Tom Taylor and art by Masio Takara. Thank you very much. Who I enjoy a lot. Uh, and we've also been very much enjoying Tom Taylor's run on Wolverine mm-hmm. um, with um, what's that, Laura Kinney. Laura Kinney as uh, AKA X23 as Wolverine, filling the shoes of her. Is he what, like an uncle? <laughs> well, she's like. Clone, I know. Yeah. Dad clone. She's slightly. She refers to him as his da- sort oh, of dad in this, right? Yeah, in actually, I think she straight up says I'm his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this was a, uh, a cute little issue which um, basically swapped Laura's mind with that of uh, Gwen Stacy mm-hmm. in her universe, in which she is Spider Gwen. Classic Freaky Friday. Um, and uh, so you had those two worlds, which we've been seeing come together quite a lot lately in the Spider Women um, mm-hmm. event and just in, in the Spider Gwen and, and, uh, and, and Silk books a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, it was fun seeing Laura interact with Spider Gwen. Yeah, it was fun having them in each other's bodies and not when they're not really aware of what each other's power sets are. So, like, Laura being like, my head feels crazy. And it's like, that's your spider sense. Something yeah. bad is happening. That yeah. was pretty fun. I thought this was, this was really cute. I don't know, like, I, don't, I, I still don't understand the need to have Spider-Gwen around anymore. Because she's very hot right now. Is she? Apparently. Right. I just, yeah, I, I feel like after, you know, killing off the Ultimate Universe, like, like Spider-Gwen mm. totally makes sense in the Ultimate Universe or something like yeah. that. But they've destroyed that. But now they have this entire new universe that she can freely travel to and yeah. from into the, the regular Marvel 616. And they're really, they're really fleshing out her universe. In the Spider-Gwen title, which we'll talk about later in the yeah. show. Um, I just, I don't know, I just don't think it's that 
incredible. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think that Spider-Gwen is one of those characters who everyone in comics is feeling a little bit of fatigue over just because she was so popular so quickly. And I think part of that has to do with the appeal of her, like, costume. Like, she looks yeah, really cool. Great. And that's such Super a fun concept, like female version of Spider-Man. And, and Gwen Stacy yeah, is a good character Yeah, too. totally, and it rewrites Gwen Stacy's kind of tragic tragic story. So I think that there's um, a lot of fun there, but it is it does feel like she's being sort of shoehorned into a lot of stuff. I, I, just don't, I think I would enjoy it lo- a lot more if it was just as the ultimate completely was to begin with completely separate. Exactly. Yeah, you just keep absolutely. her in there. Like it, Every issue, she either thinks about everyone back on 616 or she goes to 616. Yeah, totally. Um, and, you know, and, and, or, or she crosses over in the, in the Wolverine annual. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that aside, I'm, I'm going to say that every time I review a Spider-Gwen comic. But that said, there's yes. always still a good story to be told using her as a character, and uh, especially when you have her teaming up with someone fun like mm-hmm. uh, Wolverine. Totally, um, I love any, any. I mean, being given Wolverine's power set is pretty fun mm-hmm. um, to a newcomer. Mm-hmm. And so when she finally, when Gwen finally decides to uh, stick her claws out. She's holding them way too close to her head, and so mm. she her claws go through her head, yeah. and she passes out. And she actually kind of dies, yeah, <laughs> and then heals. <laughs> Pretty funny. Um, yeah, and then so is it? Is it? In, it just happened in this issue that Laura is seeing like a Wolverine version of Spider Pig everywhere. A yeah, Spider Ham or whatever. Spider Ham. Yeah, I, I, that's just a, th- a, a little weird that was little thing. Right? Yeah, I, I, I've, I, I don't think that's a regular thing, but. Uh, I think that this is like this was a fun issue because you know even though everything we've said sounds a little bit kind of in comics to be able to understand if that makes sense um comic-y yeah it's a little bit sort of uh, insular sure it was still a fun standalone issue yes you know like it's no, something definitely. that you could like I think that there's a couple of examples this week so there were a lot of annuals this week of like the difference between a good and bad annual mm. and I think this was definitely a good one because it was just a straight up fun story that was over and done with by the end of the issue cute really cute some ending. good some good yeah. laughs good art I was into it yeah yeah I, I think this is the kind of yeah exactly what, what an annual should be Absolutely. So it's good to start this as the first review because there are a few mm. annuals this week. Uh, that was the only one from Marvel. Mm-hmm. There were three from DC. Oof. I read two of them. Siobhan read three. I read all three. Um, so let's start with uh, Bombshells, yeah. the annual number one. This one is written by uh, Marguerite Bennett, who mm-hmm. we uh, spoke about last week. She submitted a story to the um, Power Rangers anthology we wrote. The, the, sorry, the Power Rangers annual mm-hmm. last week. Um, and the art in this one is by Elsa Char- Charitia. Um, now this is a uh, like a kind of fun set in the set in the post World War Two mm-hmm. landscape um, of uh, basically all the most of the female DC superheroes quite pin uppy, yep. but and pulpy, but really really playing on those tropes and creating something you know fun and empowering out of out of that. Absolutely. Um, and this I've not read any of it before, but this story featured a Batgirl who who has. Who has like vampire powers? It straight up is a vampire. Yeah, Batgirl's a vampire, uh, and she's uh, isolated herself in in Louisiana in this in a in a, in a bayou. Mm-hmm. Also, she was a cool fighter pilot during the war. Yeah, awesome. Um, and I love that. Like in in this, like everyone has all these great, cool redesigns of their costumes mm-hmm. and reimaginings. Except um, Commissioner Gordon just looks exactly the same as he did in yeah. the animated, animated series because it's perfect. You cannot do better. <laughs> Although I'd like it better if it was like a sexy female version, like a pinup Gordon, but still with a mustache. So this book um, has uh, like a, a very um, 
fun version of Amanda Waller, mm-hmm. um, send a new recruit on a mission to go find Batgirl and recruit her to be a bombshell. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we find out that you know Batgirl has a coven of witches, which includes the Enteranteress. And uh, we spoke about her last week on uh, when we were talking about Deathstroke, mm-hmm. Ravenger. Ravager, so Ravager. cool. Um, and uh, we also have a really great, a great iteration of Killer, Killer Croc. Yeah. Like he was a really, really smooth talking kind of like 40s gangster Killer Croc, which yeah. I think works really well for the Who character. Who implied that he like got off with all of the ladies. Yeah, Very yeah, funny. yeah. Um, I thought it was, uh, yeah, it was sweet. And then, yeah, like the whole annual basically turns out to be like a, a way of setting up the Suicide Squad in mm. the uh, in the Bombshells universe, um, which was really, it was just really fun. So much fun. And the art, so cool. The art was fantastic the whole way through. I don't know if she regularly does the uh, the bombshell stuff, uh, but this is a, this is a really great fun comic. Absolutely, and leads into something very fun because it seems as if they were they're probably leading up to um, finding Zatanna because they go something to do with finding the Mistress of Magic. Is that that's what the Suicide Squad have to do? So if that story arc continues, that's I think fun. I'm going to have to read it. So does Marguerite Bennett write? Bombshells regularly, or mm, I don't know. Let me Google it. Siobhan, you are a girl who likes DC heroes a lot. This comic feels like it's aimed directly towards you. I know, right? And I it's... know it's within your youthful blood to fight the power and and, uh, and 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 object to anything that's targeted directly at you. But uh, it's true. This one, um, this like because I was saying before that this reminded me quite a bit of um, the Ami Comi series, Ami Comi Girls, which was going a couple of years ago, which was sort of similar to this, started off as like just drawings of what if everyone was like an anime girl um, in the DCU. And I really enjoyed that. That was like surprisingly good fun. Um, And I think I've avoided the DC bombshells because it did annoy me that it just started off as like some posters and then a statue series and then they decided to make a series out of that and it seemed a little bit pandering. Well, I'm pretty sure, isn't it, like there's there's a frame at King's Comics of like bombshell, DC Comics bombshells underwear or pyjamas, right? Yeah, we have a lot of bombshell stock. <laughs> we like bombshells. Come and buy some. Um, but this is actually, this is actually a really, really good yeah. comic and people have said that to me a lot. Right. And even like all the girls at Queens of Kings have really recommended it and so I should read it. Okay. If you so, like these comics and you want to wear it as pyjamas, you can. We've got a lot of robes. You guys like robes? Ooh, who doesn't love a robe? Well, the DC... And also, yes, it does look like she normally writes... Oh, Margaret Bennett writes this one? Cool. Yeah. All right, I'll have to pick up some extra issues. Um, There were a couple other DC annuals. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about one that I liked a lot, and it was not Earth 2 Society. I didn't even read that one, did you? I did, I did. Um, This, I think, is an example of a bad... Oh, God, I didn't um, read it. Because it was mostly kind of exposition about the Bat characters within this universe and just kind of like explaining what's going on and a lot of emotional character stuff that doesn't read especially well as an annual because I picked this up and was like, I don't really understand what's going on. Right. And I don't want to understand what's going on. Cool. Well, that is the exact opposite of what reading the Suicide Squad annual was Mm. like this week. Um, What a shock. Yeah. This was, um, I knew this was going to be at least like, you know, worth reading because uh, it was written by John Ostrander, who is basically responsible for the incarnation of the Suicide Squad as Mm -hmm. we know them now, or rather, Mm -hmm. you know, big fat Amanda Waller, Mm -hmm. big fat, powerful, grumpy Amanda Waller, I should say. Um, You know, the conniving uh, death wish uh, of, uh, that is uh, Deadshot. Mm -hmm. And um, countless other characters that are still like Rick Flagg. He he wrote into the original um, Suicide Squad run that started in the 80s. It's a really, really great run. Uh, It's not really quite like what what you're reading now these days, you know, um, but... So he, this is Ostrando returning to Suicide Squad, and and writing a story, but featuring the current team, the lineup that we've seen in the movies. So you mm-hmm. have 
Boomerang and Deadshot, who were in his run, but then you've got Harley Quinn and, um, you know, what's his name? Fire, El Diablo. El Di- Fireboy. Rick Flag's in it. Um, uh, art in this one is not the, you know, art, the art's fine. It's serviceable. Gus Vasquez and Carlos Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Um, but the story, the, what I loved about Suicide Squad as a series when I started reading about it is the whole reason the team exists is, is that they do the missions that... Justice League and and America can't mm-hmm. really be a part of because if if they're, they're seen as trying to like you know take down like it's, it's always political stuff so it's like taking out a dictator in a in yeah. a country or um, in this case it's it's trying to um, capture someone who need who's being um, kidnapped to basically be go on trial for war war crimes that he's committed but if they intervene as Justice League or as something representative of America it's seen as a, as as like a an act of war mm-hmm. so the suicide squad always existed as like you know if if they were caught they're expendable they, they can just blow up their heads and, and it looks like a bunch of villains were trying to to do something overseas um and that's exactly what they did they did in this great issue and it, and it felt it just felt like a what what i like about suicide yeah squad. totally it felt like really familiar in the best possible way while still being sure. like extra fun and extra surprising and i miss i miss that kind of political aspect to the DCU that was so strong in like books like Suicide Squad and Checkmate. So yeah. this was um this was super fun to read. And I I didn't read it initially cuz I was like Yeah, I was like she wanted I am you got to read Suicide this one. Squad, yeah, yeah. but it was good. It's a polar opposite of what what the the rebirth issues have been like so far. Although there was a vomit scene in in this in the in the annual. There's a lot of spew in these comics. Oh, there's just one. Uh, uh, Captain Boomerang Ralphed in yeah. this one. Where, uh, also, Quark, um, throwing up in his helmet for three whole pages. Also, some excellent examples of um, Cockney slang being mistaken for Australian slang. Yeah, I mean John. I mean John Estrando was actually quite good at writing um, like '80s Australian slang yeah. for, for Boomerang. And in fact, he just kind of made Boomerang kind of racist. Yeah, which I think pretty works, spot on. Works for the character. Super spot on. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this, this was uh, not, not not a strong point here. Isn't there like one Australian person that that DC? Has on I know, books. just to just to go over it and go like, can't nope, Margot Robbie nope. be like, no Australians don't say that. Yeah, we should just send them Margot Robbie. Nicholas did a Scott. Video. Yeah, Nicola, Nicholas. What Scott are you doing? Is, you're, you're drawing Wonder Woman. <laughs> I mean, she's probably distancing from herself from this as much as possible. <laughs> they might ask her to start drawing Suicide Squad as she gets too involved. Oh, wouldn't that be the best? That, okay, yeah, you're right. So that would basically best. be like Secret Six again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was awesome. That was the best. Um, so there were the, there were the big annuals from uh, the big two this this week. Oh, you didn't read the Gotham Academy. Oh shit, there was another annual? one. Wow. Okay, cool. We can talk about this one too. I did not. I I, I have trouble with this series. Yeah. See, I'm disappointed because I feel like this was another good example of what an annual should be, in that it was just a really fun, um, a couple of fun little standalone stories about the the Gotham Academy right. Detective Club crew. Was it was it ones that you didn't need prior knowledge of the characters before to enjoy? Well, that's why I would be interested if you'd read it because um, I feel like you could have read... I feel like this could have been a really fun jumping on point. Um, but I, I don't know because I already know all of them. Sure. But I thought it was... Um, Really good fun, really cool little standalone stories. It's the kind of stuff that Gotham Academy does really well, where they take um, already existing DC characters that aren't necessarily being used or that no one really cares if they use, and they can do a fun little, fun little sort of Hogwarts style adventure um, so who was around in this them. One? So in this one, um, they were unsure as to whether the lead character Olive was um, sick, and they were trying to figure out what was making her sick. And it was either a vampire or a radiation monster, and then it turned out to be both. Well, um, so that was really good fun. It had some time travel stuff in it, and yeah, very very good fun. And um, they're just about to start a new story arc, so it's a good time to um, to jump on Gotham right, Academy. Do this one with me. I might read it over the weekend. Nice. 
Uh, so that, that is that is that the is actual it. end of the annuals. Quite a few. That's five five big big annuals. Mm. Um, so we've got we got a few. There was a lot, there was a lot of uh, average series that started this this week. So yeah. I, I don't want to be too negative on them. Um, mm. I'll, I'll start talking about ones that I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, a heavy metal book, metal book actually. Mm. Um, this one was called Skip to the End. And it was uh, written by um, a bunch of people that I, I've not read anything of before. Jeremy Holt and um, on, on wrote it, and Alex Diotto did the art. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like a kind of take on the, the the rise of Nirvana, pretty much the band Nirvana. And uh, in this, you see you're introduced to a um, drug addict who who works at a bar. Um, he's you know in, in, he's middle age, uh, kind of go nowhere, and um, he is kind of almost haunted by a song that he he like wrote and performed in in a band in the early nineties. Um, and in, when he's working late one night at this bar, he he gets attacked by um, mm-hmm. a junkie and basically trades him his life almost for for his last hit of of heroin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the junkie gives him his guitar in return. And then we see him kind of go to rehab and try and reconnect and you know go clean and, and we, we learn little fragments and basically it's uh people the band that he was in was 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 at you know the same level of, of of fame that nirvana had they had one massive radio single that still gets played especially on the jukebox at the bar that he owns um and uh the lead singer just like kirk cobain um his name, suicide. Kirk. his name is kirk he has very different it's very subtle um <laughs> He, uh, he 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 commits suicide, and, and thus the, the the band who are called Samsara, which even rhymes with Nirvana, mm-hmm. um, they uh th- they had to break up. The drummer, everyone knows what he's doing right now, but no one, everyone always asks about the bassist, and the bassist is you know saying like what happened to him. Mm-hmm. No, one, no one has any idea, and the bassist is, is is our main character here. So it's uh there, there might be like a, a small amount of supernatural yeah. uh, going on with the guitar that he's been given by the junkie mm-hmm. and maybe a reconnection to the now dead frontman mm-hmm. um this is this is really, really fun good. Was I, good I really like this comic absolutely um, and if you I, I would highly recommend it i mean you know comics based on music are kind of hard to come by mm-hmm. uh, absolutely and this was it, it felt right like even though like yeah i mean Doing a kind of grunge story about a band that's just at Nirvana, it doesn't sound like the most novel idea, but doing it in this weird way, like, yeah, I mean, it, it is a bit mean to the bassist. Uh, Who's from, the bassist from Nirvana? I couldn't tell you his name, but I yeah. know he was in another band for a while, uh, a duo of some kind. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, he, he certainly wasn't knifed in his own bar. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I really I really enjoy this. Skip to the end. I'm definitely going to be... Um, Reading this till the end. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check. I'm going to... Well, I'm... Yeah, maybe not right. the end. We'll, see. Now, we'll give it another issue. I'm going to skip to the third issue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's I, cool if they're reprinting heavy metal stuff in actual single format. I'm very, very down with that because I don't often manage to actually pick up heavy metal. So, it's cool. Yes, okay. Well, yeah, can you explain to me? Is this like a new thing? Is this... So, are these... Yeah, well, I mean... Forgive me if I'm wrong, listeners. But... um. As far as I know, this isn't something that heavy metal have done before. Reprinting stories from they, heavy and they definitely metal were into. put in heavy metal. That's what I would assume, but yeah. to be honest, I'm not actually 100 percent sure. Um, yeah, I mean, they, so we got two comics this week that have the heavy, heavy metal imprint on it. Mm. Um, we had Skip to the End, which uh, two thumbs up from me. Definitely yeah, uh, check this out if it's mm-hmm. still on shelves when you go to your comic book shop this week. Mm-hmm. The other one was called Reincarnate, which I did not get around to reading. Siobhan, did you? You have to re- now. You have to pronounce it Reincarnate. 
Oh, right. Because the character's name is Nate, which is all in capitals, oh, and it's, right. he's sitting on a car. So I assumed it was going to be about a man called Nate who continues to re-get in his car, <laughs> but no, it's not. Um, this was... Oh, it's like an email address. Like yeah. about, it's about like that the, the landlord says to about like, um, like a Nate who never leaves his car. Like, and so it's like re in yeah. car Nate. Nice, good, yeah, excellent. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, so this is about a private investigator called Nate McCoy, um, who is <laughs> is the only person who seems to care about taking down this mob boss called El Panda. Right. Super intimidating. And so he keeps showing up on crime scenes and they're like, you can't be here. You're not, you don't have the right to be here. And then he goes um, back to his office where he is snipered right in the head. Damn. But somehow it's the worst survives. place to be sniped. It's the worst place to be sniped, right? So it goes straight through his head, the no brain damage. And everyone's like, that's crazy. And then he wakes up and he is hallucinating a cowboy and a scary man, which I think we are supposed to assume are his previous lives. So this looks like it's going to be a series about a man, a private investigator, taking down El Panda with the help of his previous lives and a sexy lady cop. So She's it, not actually that sexy, just a lady cop. Is it kind of like a goofy comedy crime book, or no? I think I, I can't tell yet. I mean, there weren't there weren't out like it, there weren't gags in it. The only gag I thought was the fact that he's the bad guy's called El Panda. Yeah. Um. But so oh, it's just racist then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we don't know if he's Japanese yet. Um, but anyway, I thought this was pretty interesting, actually. Not not my favorite art of all time, but not definitely not the worst. And there some was some average art this week. Shadows and stuff. Um, one, oh, this yeah, is this is this is great compared to some of the other number ones that we read this week. How good is um how good is the fact that on the ad for heavy metal, one of the pictures that they used to advertise it is like an oil painting of Grant Morrison. Yeah, he's the, he's the editor <laughs> he's of the, the magazine editor. now. God, I love him. You do. Um, he's just so like. <laughs> That's so funny because I feel like a couple of years ago you you would have kind of yeah I would have been really annoyed at it and now I've come uh, around yeah but like as as a whole of on all his work I feel like yeah he's he's really won you over he really has now I I feel like now I'm at a point where I can like sometimes Grant Morrison's work is really irritating when you haven't read enough of it because you're sort of like you're so self referential and you're so like into your own work but now I've come full circle and I find it really funny yeah right cool I think because I've read I think Doom Patrol was the thing that really it would really won me over. Works. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, reincarnate. Worth checking out. Written by Michael Marecci and art by Keith Burns. But not as good as Skip to the End. I would say they were about equal. What? Damn, equal okay, goodness. So I should read reincarnate. Yeah, you should probably read it. Damn it. Uh, Witchfinder. There were two dark, no, dark horse this. books this week. Just because I'm not a Hellboy person, so I feel intimidated by jumping into like yeah, this is the first issue of this is new, it's not really series. yeah. So this is like issue one of five, but all of the Hellboy kind of universe books break it up mm. in you know five five issue three issue stories. This is actually the eighteenth issue of Witchfinder, oh, right? But okay. it's one issue of this uh, new this arc, arc called City of the Dead. And uh, I bring this up just because, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're not, if you haven't read or you're not already reading Hellboy stuff, you are very unlikely to just pick this one up and, and start reading this as your first taste. I highly recommend just going back to the beginning and reading it all in one long, fantastic month of, of, of uh, great, dark, um, slightly horror comics. Mm, we were talking, I was talking about this with Wayne um, last week. Wayne from King's Wayne Comics. Wayne from King's Comics, famous Wayne. What um, days does he work? <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel comfortable giving out that information. Um, but we were both saying how um, Hellboy seems like something I should really love. I, but I've I feel never, like I've said as much. <laughs> I've never actually managed to 
like read it and I've got I've got these big library editions of Hellboy at home and everything and I've still really? I've still never managed to actually sit down and um get through it and now it's so the I mean the back catalog is so intimidating it can be really like it can seem a bit overwhelming no definitely I mean if you just start with Hellboy and yeah. then don't worry about all the things like BBID the training and off the, there, BBID yeah, yeah. and Witchfinder and Abe Sapien and all mm. that uh Witchfinder is is almost a hero that is in, that that Hellboy was influenced by. So this is uh, what Edward Edward Gray, um, and this is set in the eighteen uh, hundreds. Um, it looks very Victorian. Yeah, it's fantastic, and like I love every with every new artist that does one of these books. It's always you know Mike Mignola write, co writes it with someone, and then there's a new artist. So the um, this was uh, written by Mike Mignola with Chris Robinson, and art was by Ben Stenbeck. And letters by Clem Robbins, who does the art um, letters lettering on most of their work. Um, but uh, this uh, was just like they, whenever you get a new artist on these books, it's just them doing their great version of Mike Mignola's stuff, which is kind and, of incredible. Adding their own little flair to it, so they're still like very familiar shadows. Mm. And whether that's you know due to, that's you know maybe in part to to uh, Michelle Madsen who did colors on this one, trying to invoke uh, Mignola's style. But yeah. But it's, it's so, it's so a, cool that he's got such a distinctive definitely. style and stamp over this whole sort of section of the Dark Horse totally. the publishing universe. Yeah, yeah, the Mignolaverse. Uh, and I just, I've, I've, ne- I've yet to read a bad story within their universe, too, that he has such good quality control. Yeah. Um, and this is like a, a story about, about zombies. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that's not not something that you see very often in in the Hellboy universe, mm. um, and you know, so it's it's their take on zombies. You have uh, basically bodies being reanimated from one particular graveyard, and um, so that, that we, we kind of we're gonna we see them get confronted by zombies at the end of this issue. What was going to happen next? Would know. you be able to read this without having read any of the other Witchfinder books? One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, I have not. I've only read the first arcs of, of, of Witchfinder, so right. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm about twelve issues behind or whatever, and I was able to just pick this up, and you know, they, they, they're really good at saying, like, um, oh, you think I would work with you again after what you did? Oh, nice. Here, and then it's he'll be like, first you killed this person, or cut to this thing, then you killed this person, <laughs> and then these people, and never again will I. And it's and it's quite natural in this. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's good. I like it. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh. Yeah, so Witchfinder was really good, um, and uh, you know, if, if you're already a Hellboy fan, you should definitely go and read it. Uh, they also had a new number one uh, of a brand new series, and uh, it's really funny because it's called World of Tanks, and it's based on a video game, or it's, it's like an go, app game, right? To go alongside a video game. No, it's, it's on PS4 oh. and Xbox as well. I thought it was one of those annoying ones that Arnold Schwarzenegger does the ads for. But the the, the ad on the back of this. Read the comic, own the tank. <laughs> so now you can, if you like the comics. You, don't, you can't wear the pajamas, but you can own the tank within cool. these things. Um, I was expecting this to be like a real goofy mm. video game kind of comic, but it's written by Garth Ennis. Oh, uh, so by it's full of like Carlos Esquera. No, assault. it's it's no. like Garth Ennis at his most boring. Uh, nice. He loves war comics. He loves war and guns and tanks. Um, and so this is about like a, a legion um, who's uh, like specialize in tanks <laughs> and. Uh, I like it was just like a kind of just dull. Mm. I it was not what I was expecting at all. I thought it was going to be like really over the top and heaps of dumb action and it to feel like quite video gamey. But he kind of, you know, it's it's a bunch of British men 
talking about tanks and, nice. and getting fired at by planes cool. and, then, and then hiding in their tanks and then some of the tanks don't make it. And <laughs> like, if you love war comics, Garth Ennis has written many fantastic war comics. In fact, I don't think he's ever really done a long run of anything without including a war story within that run, be it Preacher or Hitman or... Um, Fury. Uh, that was a whole Fury war. or, or war. Punisher Max. Like, they're always... Mm. He loves putting throwing a couple of war stories in there. And, and he's... He's even got a comic comic called War Stories, yeah, which is great. But this is uh, this, this is like you know, kind of war comic by numbers stuff from that you would expect more of from from Garth Ennis. So uh, yeah, roll right. World of Tanks roll out issue one. Uh, not for me. Not for me. IDW put out a bunch of uh, number ones this week too. Uh, an exhausting number of number ones, you could yeah, say. You read heaps more than I did. Yeah, there were a lot. Um, so uh, let's start with the one that I didn't read: The Killer Inside Me, Jim Thompson. Um, did you read this one? Yeah, I did read this one. Um, I thought this was a super interesting one. So this is based on um, the Jim Thompson novels, which I've I've never even heard of. Um, but the comic is actually written by Devin Faraci, who writes for something online uh-huh. and is well a, w- a website. Yeah, he writes for a website and is <laughs> known for that in some way. It has a very oh, birth, very long birth movies death. Oh right, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. It, the um the what's what's what comes after the forward? It's not an epilogue. If if you write, it's got nothing to do with the story. But anyway, at the end of the comic, after the comic, there's like four pages of uh of writing by Stephen King. If that's, yeah, if that's, some if kind that's of appealing um, to you at all. Some kind of cool. And there's a really great pinup by uh, Robert Hack, who does the, all the um Sabrina mm, artwork. Very nice. Um, so this is obviously based on a novel, and it's called the killer the killer inside me. Um, and so it's about a sheriff who has what they keep referring to as, like, the darkness or the madness inside him or something like that. So he's a guy trying his best to be a good guy, but who is actually a serial killer and, like, a horrible, horrible person inside. Um, So this is, like, it was quite difficult to read. Like, it's quite tough reading. Like, there's a scene where he, as a, like, 12-year-old sexually assaults, like, a six-year-old girl kind of stuff. Like it's It's very, very heavy, and it's quite... um, you know, and in, like it's sort of his him beating up a prostitute who loves it, and then is like, let's have sex, um, and wants to run away with him, and all this kind of stuff. And so it's quite it's it's difficult reading, and it's definitely also written by someone who um, is, while uh, I think loves comics, is relatively new to the form, and so it does a bit more telling than showing than perhaps he should, and it's quite wordy in a lot of piece uh, a lot of places. Um, and I think it's trying to be similar to. Uh, like Darwin Cook's Parker the Hunter, like it has similar right. vibes see, of that I read, kind of. I read, a, I read a, the, about half of this, and, and I didn't get that vibe at all. I, I definitely got the more wordy kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, like I mean, I think if, it's, it was, if it was even as quarter, quarter as good as Parker, I would have kept reading. But I wasn't. It's I definitely wasn't like I mean, nothing's as good as Parker the Hunter. But I just mean it has similar sort of themes, and that it's like a bad guy whose kind of life we're following. Mm. Um, I think this was interesting though. Like it was, it was a. Are you going to read weird. issue two? I am going to read issue two. Well, and I want to read the Stephen King bit in the back as well. Okay. that was interesting. Yeah, it's like about a horrible guy doing horrible things, but um, compelling, I thought. Have you read any of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics that IDW have been putting out the last decade or so? Uh, like here and there. There have been a couple of times where people have told me like, it's really, really good at the moment. Or an yep. artist that I especially liked was working on it. And I'll pick up an issue here and there. But I'm not like, I'm, I'm not a... Um, Turtles devotees, as no. a lot of people are. So the the the, thing, the, the, uh, the main story that sorry that's been going on over the main series 
Uh, it's about it's like sixty, almost seventy issues strong, mm. I think. And so they've finally done a uh, a sister uh, series to go alongside it. And this is called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Universe. Um, it's written by uh, Paula Law and um, Damien Coisiero on um, on art. Uh, the art's great, and um, the story is okay. Um, it has some good gags um, in which uh, Michelangelo starts giving Donatello shit. Um, and he says, I mean, it's a stick, bro. You're like the brainiest guy on the team and your weapon is a stick. <laughs> I like that. I don't know. Uh, the overall story, it definitely feels like a book that has no importance on a bigger story. If you were just a, a big old turtle boy or girl and uh, want to read lots of turtle stories, this is uh, something for you. Um, or if you just want to dip your toe in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles book but don't care about a bigger story, then uh, you mm-hmm. might enjoy this too. But uh, as someone who has every intention to read the entire arc of the main series, uh, I don't really... This one doesn't really appeal to me that much. Hmm. Fair enough. Uh, but it's fine. It's totally fine. Uh, IDW also put out a book this week called uh, The X-Files Origins, which uh, does this, a little a little fun trope that I, I wish more people did where... Um, there's one story on on Ooh. one side of the book, and then you turn the book over, and there's another story. So you have Scully on one side, and you turn the book upside down, and you have Mulder, and you have uh, you know a 13 year old Scully bored in San Diego, and a little story about her get, getting up to some mischief. Cool. And then on the other one, like you would think, telling uh, a story about Mulder's youth, you would start before. His sister gets abducted by aliens. Oh, um, I don't even. I've never right. seen watched X Files, so I don't even know that much about the character. So, so Mul- I didn't Mulder is like you know at the core of his character. He's trying to find his sister, right? Uh, and they kind of open with that. Like the first thing that happens is like a flashback to when he when his do- um, sister gets abducted. Oh, I thought like leading up to that would be fun, but I guess you don't want to kind of reveal why it happened or yeah, what it did. But uh, yeah, you just kind of have this like like pretty boring story about him breaking the rules and going out with his mates and uncovering something secret and spooky and they both both issues end with uh fox Mulder and, and dana scully uh being like shone at by lights uh it, it's a, it's almost like a little anthology you don't really get enough of each story to kind of have the have the hooks set mm. in on you but uh if you're again if you're a big x-files devotee this might appeal to you all the number ones I read this week. There were a couple more. Did you read Eden's Fall from Top um, Cow? I did, and it took me the entire issue to realize that this is a crossover between a couple of different titles. So if you are reading Think Tank, The Tithe, and Postal, oh, this God. will make a lot more sense to you than it did to me. Granted, I still quite enjoyed the issue. Like it was um there was a lot of sort of relationship stuff that had obviously been built up in these various titles that was quite confusing. And the first two pages are like what you need to know, which is a lot, apparently. Um so I think if you read all those titles you will get a lot out of this. If you don't, you will find it a little bit confusing as I did. Um I also did read Equilibrium uh-huh. which is appears to be I mean I should have done more research really. Um appears to be a tie in to some movie with Christian Bale in it about like 21st century war against feelings and if you still have feelings then you're a sense traitor and so all the sense traitors are trying to save like art and feelings so if that cool. sounds like your thing nope uh, yeah it was fine <laughs> the art's pretty average yeah average week I didn't, I didn't want to point out a lot of our artists this week because there was a lot of average art in those number ones we were talking about yeah uh, so shouts out to them yeah 
Um, now, usually after we finish first things first, which we have just done, mm-hmm. uh, we would uh, play the most beloved segment on uh, Serious Issues, and that is Flip a Coin. <laughs> uh, but considering there were only... I, I only read one more DC book. I think you only read one more too. Yeah. Uh, so let's just do DC. There's two issues of, of DC comics to talk about. Then we'll do Marvel. And then we actually had a surprisingly big week for everyone else. Mm. Uh, so uh, yeah, even Marvel's only like five or six issues for us. But uh, should we start with... Uh, yeah, start with the good. So you start yeah. with... Legend of Wonder Woman, a, a book which has finally finished and will hopefully finally. be collected in trade. Uh, is it December it's coming out? Yeah, I believe so. It's coming out in hardcover in December. Okay, that's, um, I'll pick it up so I want to read it all in one. This is the very celebrated, um, award-winning, it's the only only Eisner Award-winning series that DC put out. Something like that, something yeah. Like that so this year. is by um, Renee DeLiz, both on um, uh, story and pencils. This is the final issue. Um, this is one that was available in... Uh, digitally first, which explains why sometimes it reads a little bit funny because it's actually been written for digital. Um, so in print, occasionally there's a couple of moments of like, oh, I don't know which way I'm supposed to read, especially in this issue, which has Diana sort of um, coming into her right as Wonder Woman and realizing what that means beyond just being an ambassador for Themyscira and the powers that come along with that. She's part of something much bigger and much greater when she's bestowed powers um, by you know, she calls her Gaia, but has the, it's sort of more like a general godlike presence. Sure. Um, this was very cool. It definitely changes the, the Wonder Woman sort of mythos quite a lot, which is really interesting and fun. It's fun that we get to get a very different look at her. Um, it's also, she's fighting the Manhunters, which I didn't even realize were like the bad guys until this. I've had Manhunters on the brain all week now um, <laughs> for that, that reason. They just keep, keep popping up. Manhunters were in something else recently too. Uh, I want to say that, that there was a Manhunter in like either Deathstroke or... Yeah, something like or the that. the Suicide Squad rebirth. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 What was it? Um, anyway, it looks like they are back in a big way, which is pretty fun. So this is a big sort of... Um, after Diana is, you know, gifted with her new powers, it's just her fighting the Manhunter for a while, which was pretty extra cool. Um, good ending romance stuff, series. yeah. Good, good ending wrapped up really, really nicely. Um, hopefully, I hope Renee Delis gets a chance to do um, do more with this. It would be crazy to me if they didn't, um, you know allow her to continue this or continue on a different series because this is brilliant, especially because at the end it appears that Etta has finally tracked down Diana, who's been off on some adventures, and it looks like they're going to go off on adventures together, which is a series I would read Yep, and buy all what of. What would you call it, that series of those two together? Uh, like Wonder Candy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Etta Woman. Etta Woman. Yeah, that works too. <laughs> that's terrible. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, Legend of One Woman being collected. Um, mm. It's going to be a fun read. The art is, is so great too. It's so it good. Oh, my God. Yeah. And Renee Deleuze did this awesome thing, um, which if you're a budding artist, is super worth looking up. Look up her Twitter feed because she um, she's one of the artists who does a really good job of female, female bodies mm-hmm. and female, um, you know, there's obviously a lot of artists who skew things a little bit too sexy, even just in like gestures and the way that they stand and things like that. So she does a really good guide as to like how you should be thinking about these things. Wait, so um, did she draw and write this? Yeah, she drew and wrote this. No it's thought, unbelievable. Yeah, right. Like I, the I amount of the writer, right. work and like skill that goes into this series is amazing. Like it's so beautiful to look at. Um, 
so really, really super worth tracking down either digitally or when it comes out in trade later this year. And we'll keep you posted for when it does. Mm. The other DC book we're going to talk about is Future Quest number four, um, a book that has become something that I did not want it to become, and that is like pretty much like an anthology book. Every week we get, every month this comes out now, um, we get like a... The, the main story kind of gets moved along at a very small pace, but in a confusing way. Um, we get eight pages of um, incredible Evan Doc Shana art. Woo! Um, and then suddenly, like, the fill-in guys take over and it just drops in quality. But then the story ends kind of really abruptly. And then the whole second half of the comic is a completely different story that doesn't really tie into the other story at all. And mm. and Jeff Parker does art on it as well as writing it. mm it's fine. It's yeah, just, like Jeff Parker's great and everything, but that sounds a little bit um, exhausting. There are three stories in this. Yeah, I didn't read this. I think I've given up on this series fully. I, I just don't which understand bums me it. Out. Like I don't. I. I. I it, that first issue, I was like, oh, cool. This is going to be a really great ongoing story. Mm. But I don't know if if these are you know if this has been a, a product of, of Doc Shana being too slow at art, mm. and so they've decided to make it an anthology so other artists can contribute to it instead, or. Yeah, I don't know. I, this is just not a great book. Mm, it's a real, really disappointing. It's probably my most disappoint, biggest disappointment of the year. Yeah, so far. Um, I, uh, I don't know what else is coming up that might be as disappointing. <laughs> I, this is like, I don't know. This was like this. This was like my pick of of that weird, yeah. warm, uh, Hanna Barbera universe stuff to that I thought was going to be really, really great. Well, it was the one that looked best and like and it's the, the creative team that has such so a good rich and welded to dry, to yeah. do, and they could do anything with those characters because nobody has like a close affiliation with them yeah, anymore as a fan. Cares. I don't know. You yeah. do whatever. Really disappointing. Mm. Anyway, uh, that's Future Quest number four. I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't know. I feel like I just want to buy, keep buying it each month just to see Doc Shana draw stuff because he's, yeah. he's such a beautiful artist. He's so good. Give him a and, he, golden know, age set channels, Shazam series. Come on, guys. He channels what I like, what I loved about um, Darwin Cook, you know? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just a, it's a, it's a real bummer that this, this book is just, just a kind of bore to read. Mm. Yeah. Lame. Huh. So that's DC this week. I'm um, looking forward to the Rebirth titles coming back, but also kind of glad that I didn't have to read fucking 10 of them this time. <laughs> yeah, it was nice to have a little bit of a break. Let's kick off Marvel Talk with uh, Howard the Duck, issue 10 by Chip Zdarsky and uh, Joe Quinones. Um, this is uh, this the penultimate issue. I know I said this was going to be the last issue, but there's one more to go um, of, uh, of Chip Zdarsky's excellent run on Howard. Um, I was hot and cold with it in the first, um, the first few issues, but mm-hmm. it really won me over. Um, in the last, you know, the last six, six, even like, I guess this whole, the whole, ever since Secret Wars, I've really, really enjoyed Howard the Duck. Mm, the, the absolutely. Book. And, uh, the last issue was really strong and this is great too. It's extraordinarily high, high concept for a comedy book. And it is very, um, meta in mm-hmm. a way that I don't know if it'll be appealing for non super involved comics industry people. Yeah, um, and 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 Chip, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> Chip, Chip almost has like this style now that is just his own, and it's very much mm. like it relies on you knowing who he is Absolutely. to to enjoy the jokes. And you know, he's not not really a massive figure yet, but yeah. he's just written himself as one. I think that's really awesome. Yeah, it's really good, and um, I like I like the people that he chose to write into this issue specifically. It's pretty funny. So the, the really meta thing is that um, it's revealed that um, Howard the Duck's life uh, for, for the entirety of this run of comics has been put together. Um, as a reality TV show 
um, which they hired the um, the hilarious villain Mojo to work on. Uh, but then it turns out the people who were in charge of, of basically producing this show for the bizarre network that all these reality TV shows are, are made for, like it's like a planet, mm. um, uh, is uh, basically like a, a purple version of, of Chip, Zdarsky, and, and Joe Quinones. Um, and they're worried that Mojo is going to try and kill them. They're worried that they're going to get fired by their bosses. So they go to Earth to basically confront Mojo and, and Howard and get themselves out of this mess. But on the way there, you kind of meet everyone on their planet is pretty much like the, the Marvel officers. Mm-hmm. And, and so all their names are spelt like slightly different. So to, to, to kind of make them look like aliens. Um, and so you see them talk to like, um, like first, first they get introduced to um, the, the bl- newest uh, writer on, uh, uh, on, on of, of Black Panther, um, Ta-Nehisi Coates. Yep. Um, but his name is written as like Ta-Nehisi-C. Um, and like, it's a lot of just like funny, funny jokes about like how like yeah. um, how hilarious that that they gave you Black Panther a C lister, mm. and then they meet like a uh, Ryan and uh, Erica uh, from okay Ryan North and Erica Henderson from Squirrel Girl, and he makes fun of them for doing Squirrel Girl, and um, I just chip love, chips such a dick they, about oh, it. Man. I love how they draw um, how they chose to portray Ryan North as well. He's like on a hoverboard, and he just says, "Haha, neat." A lot, which is like no extra adorable. Nothing, nothing's capitalized. Just hard and neat. So funny. (laughs) Um, and they have a funny little dig at DC and the Scooby Apocalypse, which made me giggle. Oh, really? Where was that? Did you not see this? Because they go, let's just hope other universes need animal character reboot reboots. And then in the sort of little editor bubble, it says, "Rot, roll, raggy, roll me, ran." (laughs) Hilarious. Right, I read "Roll Me Ran" as um, "Call Me Stan," like Stan Lee, but uh, obviously it's Dan DeDio. Yeah, classic. Call me that's Dan. great. <laughs> um, when, 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 where I have my head? I'm glad you explained it to me. That's one of the one of the best things about having a podcast is you have good jokes explained to you. Yeah, that you wouldn't normally get. Um, this was a, a pretty fun and you know very like like Siobhan said, very meta uh, still com- issue. Um, and uh, spoilers. For this issue, um, skip forward 30 seconds if you don't want to know what happens. But at the end of this issue, Chip Zdarsky stabs Howard the Duck with a knife. <laughs> and Howard, like, you know, seemingly dies. <laughs> uh, so Way to end it, Chip. We've got one more issue. Uh, and it's a really tragic last picture like, last, last picture as well. Mm. Um, but it, it's brilliant. Like, it's, it's so good, it's, man. And it's, you know, it, it's meta in a really fun and rewarding way. And then kind of about the psychical nature of comic books and yeah. superheroes and... Man, there are some funny jokes in it. Like, I like it when um, Spider-Man shows up and rescues Aunt May, who is um, Howard's secretary, obviously. Yeah. And he goes, Aunt Ma- Aunt Man, be praised. You're all right, Ms. Parker. Which makes yep. me laugh. He's just very funny. Ant-Man, so Ant man, man. be praised. Ant-Man, be praised. What well, did I say? Aunt Man. No, whatever. <laughs> That's a very different superhero. <laughs> <laughs> you all know what I meant. Um, <laughs> he can control ants with his, with his thoughts. Oh. Or shrink to the size of an ant. <laughs> <laughs> just riding into battle on a hundred ants. Yeah. I, actually, Chip writes a very good Spider-Man. I yeah. would love to see Wouldn't him write Spider-Man. 
Hashtag make Spider-Man funny again. Ah, like, Dan Slott does a good job. But yeah, now he's but, just a businessman. Yeah, totally. But there's a, a bit where like a, a sentinel is like comes charging in, chasing Spider-Man, and he yells, All Supermans must die, even those with the abilities of very tiny insects, for I am the Iron Punisher. And then uh, Spider-Man says, Hey, it's proportional abilities. <laughs> so great. But I think this is an example of like why this is such a good comic that now we're just flipping through to find all of our favorite jokes and talk totally. about them. Because like, it's so good. It's so funny. It's, well, and, and that's the thing. Like, I, I feel like before this, before before we had Howard the Duck and Squirrel Girl, like, I mm. feel like I, I would be, I would be, it'd be very hard for me to recommend a purely com- comedic totally. book. Like, you know, Jason Aaron is great at splashing comedy throughout his, you know, Wolverine and the X Men run. Yeah, and 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 Gail Simone with her Secret mm. Six run, incredible jokes throughout it. But these are just like straight up comedy comics that are just excellent the whole Absolutely. way through. The jokes are excellent, and and the story is good too. Like. I just I think this is this is like my favorite thing to come out of the the like most you know the, the, this this era of Marvel is mm. is their ability to kind of do such different kinds of comics and and do actually funny comedy comics. Yeah, absolutely. Have you seen um Chip Zdarsky is doing Zadar's Con? Dude, I'm again. so jealous. I know. And the I love posters that he was... for it are brilliant. <laughs> so funny. And he was like he said on Twitter or something like this will be a five to ten minute experience, so please do not come to Toronto specifically for Zadarskon. And I'm like, I want to go anyway. That's so funny. That just makes me want to go more. I think he put like, so like Ryan North's going to be there. Yeah, Ryan um, North's going to be there, and Brian Lee O'Malley's going to be there. And then he also put Smash Mouth on yeah. the poster <laughs> and crossed it out. <laughs> so good. So funny. I'm really looking forward to his Star Lord run. I think yeah. if anyone needs an injection of character in the actual Marvel comics, it's Star Lord. Absolutely. Because, I mean, yeah, he, he should basically just save all all the franchises that Bendis is screwed up. <laughs> so yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe Zadarsky could write Civil War three. <laughs> nice. I like that. Um, so uh, let's talk about the Astonishing Ant Man, <laughs> number eleven, uh, Nick Spencer's comic that doesn't involve Captain America, um, and. A comic that I would say has kind of lost its way. I was really mm. on board when it was all about all of the different henchmen apps. And, and Doesn't it seem a little bit like Nick Spencer is stretched a little thin at the moment? Well, I think both it's the Captain America books are great, though. Yeah. Well, I think the last issue of Cap- Steve Rogers' Captain America, I don't think that that series has lived up to the expectations that everyone put on it from issue one. Which I mean, is everyone else's in, fault and not yeah, his. Um, I think Sam Wilson, Captain America, is like, that's one of my favorite Marvel comics at the moment. It's still good. It's still, it's still, still very good. good. It's very good. All right. But yeah, so I... We, we, we have to agree. Okay, okay. It's very good. Right, very good. <laughs> um, but yes, I agree that this is... This did seem to be so much more of a key focus for him before, and now it's sort of... Still funny, still good, but it's not as um, as sharp as it was. Yeah, but th- that could be to do with the fact that I still maintain that Nick Spencer is really good at starting a series, not that good at closing it. Also, you don't think he can write women? I don't think he can write women. Agreed. I hope uh, he never hears this. I started he- to realize that I should probably stop being so sassy about various people because what if they actually listen to it and then I feel bad? Well, they're going to start reviewing our, our podcast in, the, oh, in yeah. their books. If anyone wants to review me. It, no, but in a Marvel comic. Yes, please. <laughs> Just suddenly you have like She-Hulk. It's my only goal your- in life <laughs> yeah. is for someone to write me into a comic that would be the best. Yeah. I think like, I don't think this is by any means a, a, bad, a bad run. I just like... This definitely made. We didn't like the last issue, the heist issue. It yeah. started out so promising, but it just kind of got went kind of nowhere. Mm. Um, and this is kind of picking up the pieces from that issue and and uh, definitely doing more with it. Um, and it, it's there is some interesting stuff going on here, and I like him trying to like uh, maintain his relationship with his daughter Cassie mm-hmm. by controlling ants to send her messages, and then she does the same thing with wasps. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, yeah, he's currently in prison, and um, lots of people want to want to beat him up and um, 
Meanwhile, like Darren Cross is trying to get back at everyone else and blah, blah, blah. There's, there's a lot going on. And I, I, I think, I, I do think it's going to pay off at some point. Just, you know, for any of those big, like, you know, build up to a payoff issue, um, like runs, there's always going to be a few a few issues where there's one too many plot threads going. You're like, what, the, what is this going to add up to? And yeah, then it finally absolutely. comes circle and you're like, oh, good. I should have read this in trade. <laughs> <laughs> the next issue is uh, The Trial of Ant-Man, guest starring She-Hulk. Because this takes place before the events of Civil War 2, which was nice that they included that. Because See? otherwise you're like, wait, why is... It does too. This There you go, right. A lot of comics did this week, I think. Why is She-Hulk <laughs> there? Hey, speaking of Civil War 2, did you read Choosing Sides 5? I sure think I did. This one had another story by Chip Zdarsky. Two. Two Zdarsky oh, yeah. this week. So, I did read this one just for the Zdarsky. Uh, so this one uh, introduces the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, into the Marvel Universe. And he even got his own variant. Mm. Uh, even though there was an like a, an Alan, like a, a version of him in the Captain Marvel book a couple of, of months ago. The, the, there's like the Canadian ambassador for Alpha Flight is oh, pretty no. much Justin Trudeau. That's really funny. But straight up, this is Justin Trudeau, and not only does uh, he have a um, have a meeting with Alpha Flight, um, he uh, then has a sparring match with Tony Stark, which apparently he does all the time. <laughs> I love that. That's adorable. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I love this so much because it's clearly like Justin Trudeau is the hero of this comic. Yeah, and he totally. is like. <laughs> Ends with him giving Tony Stark a cuddle. After after belting him in the face. Yeah. And then Tony Stark says, you smell really nice. <laughs> the best. Um, and there's a lot of funny little chip jokes throughout the book as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the middle story in this, as you know, this is an anthology series, is uh, one of those ones that you're like, why did I even read this? Yeah. Uh, this one tells, if you are wondering what Colleen Wing was doing uh during Civil War Two, am I? Who's Colleen Wing? I know who Misty Knight is. So Colleen Wing apparently used to be her partner, right? And th- th- so the two of them were the daughters of the dragon. Oh, not Nightwing. Uh, what? Because Colleen Wing, Misty Knight. Misty Knight. Wow. Yeah. Right. Colleen Mist. Yep. Um, anyway. <laughs> man, things in this in this story that was fun. I don't know, but overall it was pretty. Pretty, pretty man, pretty nothing. And then finally, we get another little addition to the uh, ongoing uh, Nick Fury story that um, Nick Fury Junior story that Declan, Declan Shalvey has been writing and drawing. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really love this. You, you had him basically come face to face with a life model decoy of mm-hmm. uh, Nick Fury, Nick Fury Senior, um, and it was a really, really great action. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Scene of the two of them going head to head. And then uh, Nick Fury seemingly takes out an entire space station or wherever the hell they are. Yeah, it was cool. They're definitely not in space, but they, <laughs> he he, he punched, kicked a wall out. Um, and a shield base on Kratos, Montana. Probably, I don't even know. It's basically out of space, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, this mission's going to end in a deep, dark hole. Oh, no, he's un- deep underground in Montana. There you go. Kratos. Uh, I really like Declan Shalvey writing Nick Fury, and I kind of would love a Nick Fury ongoing series. Yeah, I know, right? Because this is also the most compelling I've found this version of Nick Fury. Like, they sort of very hastily added in the mm. Samuel L. Jackson version of Nick Fury to the um, Marvel Comics universe, and he sort of felt a bit... Well, I mean, because they made his origin so weird, and it's yep. been a little bit awkward um, fitting him into this, and so this is easily the coolest version of the character that I've seen so far. And Definitely. I'd love it if Declan Shelby got like just a straight up espionage comic with, with Nick Fury. But also just make Shield interesting now. Like, yeah, hashtag I'm, make Shield interesting again. Um I uh I I am tired of seeing Shield as kind of the bad guy. Mm. I kind of just want Shield to be this cool espionage group. I just... think that's because they've made Maria Hill such a sort of bizarre anti-hero like she sometimes almost goes across into like amanda waller kind of territory mm. but then we're all just supposed to be okay with her like it's it's a very strange way that she's being written yeah anthology books never great mm, that's true <laughs> rarely great one good story two one no two good stories, two good stories. That, this stories is probably the best issue i've choosing inside so far but that middle story was just so meh yeah at least there wasn't the the surfboarding superhero no the skateboarding superhero again what was that one Nighthawk? Yeah, no, that's no, not no, no, no. Night Thrasher. Night Thrasher. There we go. <laughs> um, did you read Silver Surfer 200? I didn't. The 200th issue of Silver Surfer. Did you know that? Hmm, holy moly. Mike Orrard, Dan Slott have been doing this run for 200. No, they haven't. <laughs> They've been doing about 20 issues. But uh, if you if you add up all the different Silver Surfer runs from the beginning, this is the 200th issue. And there's a nice I would have thought there would gallery. be more for some reason. Yeah, well, you thought wrong. Correct. <laughs> uh, this is uh, just, a, just a really lovely story about... Um, Civil surfer trying to make a relationship work, and sometimes he, you know, sometimes what he thinks is the right thing to do is the wrong thing to do to, from a human perspective, mm-hmm. and that's always entertaining. And uh, are they emotional. in a romantic relationship or yeah, just yeah. a friends relationship? They're romantic, yeah, yeah. yeah. There yeah. you go. I didn't know that. Um, and uh, of course, it's worth reading just 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 to flick through Mike Orwood's amazing art. Ah, so pretty. Um, and uh, yeah, this is uh, it. It, it definitely ha- has like you know, kicks you in the heart a few times. This this, this issue mm. uh, with um, stuff about parents and and uh, and choices regarding your children, and not oh, everyone goodness. chooses to be parents. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it le- ends with uh, with Dawn Greenwood and Silver Surfer leaving Earth. So oh. I don't know what that's what's going to more, more space adventures, I guess. So, which goodness is, gracious! Can only be a good thing. What about? Uncanny Avengers, number 13. I did read that. Uh, so this, uh, basically the, the the Hank Pym and Ultron story is over, and now we're tying into Civil War 2. Um, so we see another goddamn point of view, uh, for, like another, like, you know, Hawkeye killing Bruce Banner from another pe- another superhero's point of view. But I thought this is kind of sweet. 
Uh, you have Deadpool basically taking it on himself to uh, break Hawkeye out of jail. Yeah, because um, he's like, finally, we see eye to eye on something. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, there were a few moments where that I thought were a bit shit, like um, Hawkeye like killing himself laughing at a dumb thing that Deadpool said, mm. um, and then saying, ha ha, you glorious idiot, and then they like do like big like man handshake yeah I just didn't see that's that what I wanted Hawkeye my comics would ever do. <laughs> more handshakes um man shakes uh but uh yeah I mean, it, it was kind of like a, about um you know Deadpool is as a merc has killed heaps of people and this is the first person that Hawkeye's killed apparently mm. um yeah. and uh Deadpool's like you know the, the first kill's always the hardest it's the you know the ones after that just get easier and easier um, and anyway, but uh, Hawkeye decides not to get broken out of prison, as we know, because he's mm-hmm. still in there to, um, to face his trial. It's weird that these books are all coming out now and not yeah, that was a con- alongside um, the actual Civil War Two issues. Timing uh, these things has got to be flipping hard, though, from an editorial perspective. Yeah, but uh, you know, so that story is quite cool. But then after that, we we get like a um, the second part of this of this issue is about um, Ulysses getting a vision of Cable. Take, trying to take out all the Avengers and, and Captain America wondering if he has to, like, you know, take down Cable. And then it turns out that uh, that that Cable and Rogue are trying to save a bunch of mutants because the Terrigenists can make them sick and die. And so they're smuggling Sebastian Shaw and Toad on a plane. I feel like this is the best thing that anyone's done with the X-Men in ages. I'm yeah. genuinely interested to see what happens with this because it's really annoying reading X-Men at the moment. Really? Don't you think it's annoying? I don't. Well, I don't read it. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. X-Men just sucks at the moment. It's yeah, really, it sucks. isn't that it's a bummer? It's like, I mean, I, Siobhan's boyfriend and my good friend Nate, aka Nacho Pop, mm-hmm. who you can hear on uh, bonus episodes of Hey Fan when Siobhan and I used to do them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we're going to get him to do an X-Men episode with us very soon. But he's like X-Men are characters true to very dear to his hearts, and he still I reads feel, all the X-Men issues that I bring home. But I just like, I just feel like it was for a long, long time. There was always at least one pretty good X-Men yeah. comic. Like I know that, like you know, even runs like Fractions aren't looked on that fondly, but like I, I really liked those at the mm. time. And now it just seems compared like, to what we've got now, it's just super confused. Like three timelines crossing ugh, over on each other, and yeah. like shit versions of the characters. What I, I mean, I don't. I don't know how confirmed this is um, or if this is true at all, but I feel like what they're, they're, I think they're leading up to the X-Men kind of going to be existing in their own universe, which I would be so much more down with. Like, just let them have their own X-Universe to play in because it almost doesn't make sense having the X-Men in a universe where, like... fucking hundreds of them. Yeah, and also because, like, why would Captain America be fine with all of, like, the mutant genocide and stuff like that? Like, why would all of the other characters in the Marvel Universe just overlook this stuff yeah sure like why would they just continue to allow magneto to exist <laughs> um so yeah I, i'm i hope i hope the x-men get a little bit of love soon also important um i love ryan stegman ryan stegman yeah, does the art on this, this issue, issue was, i haven't loved Ugh. every issue he's done of this but i love this this is a great. great issue he did a good job yeah good, good on job. stegs thanks ryan stegman um, how was uh, Deadpool versus Gambit? I, I, I have all of these in a stack to catch up on. Um, um, this was an issue almost like without Deadpool and Gambit well, at they all. They only make show up in these the... two panels and right. they talk about it on the cover. Um, so this is yeah, the about... Cover, the cover says, um, this issue features virtually no Deadpool, V, and even less Gambit. <laughs> it's great stuff. Um, although Deadpool does show up at the end. Spoilers. Um... 
dressed as Iron Fist for Ooh, some reason. Fun. And so this is about at the um at the end of the last issue of Deadpool and Gambit, we see them crash the barbecue of a of a supervillain, and this is just his his story of what came before that. How um, long is this series going to be? Is this like a? Yeah, I don't really know. I've, yeah, I've, this this. Felt like a mini series, but now it feels like it's going to be an ongoing. I feel like it's still going to be a mini. I would be surprised if it was anything more than six issues. But, but few, um, few Marvel fun. titles are. Uh, in fact, yeah, we didn't we didn't speak about it last week, but Nighthawk is getting cancelled yes. after six issues, which is a tragedy. It's such a tragedy, and this is an um, uh, an important thing that I think because um, I mean the the comics ordering system is very confusing for a lot of people, and a lot of people can feel really like ah, oh, why did this series get cancelled when I've been buying it and all that sort of stuff? But the way it works. This is a little bit boring and technical, guys. But it's important to know if there's a series that you love. We will remind you of this many times in the future. Absolutely. Once a month. Because the whole um, the whole system of comics kind of revolves on pre-ordering. So Marvel can if the pre-orders are good, Marvel will continue a series kind of deal. And um, because not enough people were had Nighthawk on pre-order, that is why it's being cancelled, even though it's very highly acclaimed and even though it's been quite popular. So if there is a series that you love and really, really love, it is so worth starting up a standing order mm-hmm. at King's or your other local comic book store, but probably King's. Um, <laughs> because that way we can we can show our support for the titles that we love massively in advance. At King's, you need to have... Um, Minimum of four ongoing monthly titles, which really isn't that many when you think about it. Yeah, if you um, listen to a comic book podcast, you probably have enough money to pay for four, like comics I mean, a month. You, or at least enough time yeah. to read four comics in one month. Or you can um, even we do it um, for like a magazine. So if you got like one comic plus image plus every month, that would be enough to start up a standing order with us, um, and that means that you can make sure that the series that you love keep keep going. Yeah, definitely. In fact, we might maybe we should start. Like little codes at the end of each review we do is like, you know, add this one to your pool list or... Yeah, absolutely. We yeah, can yeah. put the codes up online um, and you can email us and we can set up a standing order for you really easily. If you're not in the Sydney area, we also do... Um, we have a lot of people with standing orders around Australia, even a couple of people overseas that we um, mail out to. So it's, it's a good system and it's a... Um, it also means you don't miss out because I totally yep. sometimes miss out on things. Yeah, definitely. And it's really good to like, you know, to get really into... If you have a favorite creator or a favorite mm-hmm. superhero, favorite favorite you know um, publisher, you can read up on what what they've got coming out, and you know at the very least sign on for that first issue. Yeah, um, and, and and get that in your pool list. Absolutely. Um, Han Solo number three by Marjorie Lu- Marjorie Lou, mm-hmm. um, and uh, who drew this one? Mark uh, Brooks. Brooks. Uh, I thought this was actually a really fun fun issue. So fun, right? I love this um, like slightly insular story about. Like Han Solo racing. Yeah, Han Solo and Chewie just doing the damn thing, going on a space race. So good. Uh, there's not really much more to say beyond that. I, yeah. I, 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 I was like, the last issue, I wasn't sure if I was on board with this, and now I'm on board. So it's one of those comics. Yeah, totally. On board, off board, on board, off board. Currently on. Currently on. Keep Currently this one continue. in your pull list, guys. Nice one. Uh, finally, another one that was I was off last time I read it, but um, I decided I actually kind of like this quite a lot. Spider Gwen. Yeah, how much? Uh, this was a great issue. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we spoke about it at the beginning of the issue, at the beginning of the episode. Spider Gwen, uh, written by Jason Latour and art by Robbie, Robbie Rodriguez. Rodriguez, and the art is so goddamn great. Crazy good colors. Um, and uh, this is basically um, Spider Gwen's universe's Punisher is a cop and is trying to take down Spider Woman um, using the law. And there are all these different, like you know, there's different versions of Foggy and Matt Murdock. 
and Reed Richards, Reed Richards and Ben Grimm mm-hmm. um, in, in, in this series. And the Hamburglar, it seems. <laughs> He's the Bodega Bandit. Um, Spider-Gwen's most uh, terrifying foe. foe. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of got bored with this with this arc, and, and after the last issue, I was like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to stop reading this. But reading this one too, I'm going to keep reading Spider Gwen. So yeah, I'm going to read. I'm going to continue reading Spider Gwen. Um, an important like currently in the series, Spider Gwen's powers are off, and she only has a couple of like spider power charges left. She's got like four, so there's this real sense of like every time she powers up, it really has to matter, and it really has to she really has to mean it. So it'll be interesting to see where the series goes from there. But yeah, it's Super fun. Fun series. She should just get a gun. She should just get a gun. Just that makes a lot them. more sense. Shoot those bad guys in the yeah, face. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I read a couple more Marvel issues than it appears you did. Yep. I, um, You're reading Spider-Man now, huh? Yeah, I picked up, <laughs> picked up the last couple of issues. Now back on Spider-Man. All right. Um, so this issue um, of Ms. Marvel. Oh, and, and Ms. Marvel as well. I'm, yeah, sorry, I'm so, Ms. Marvel. I'm behind on Ms. Marvel too. Um, it's really, it's really cool. The the way that they're sort of dealing with Civil War Two um, is actually really good fun. So this is all to do with Ms. Marvel's guilt about the fact that her best friend Bruno was injured when he was doing something to go against the sort of um, pre-crime right. division that Ms. Marvel is a, a part of. It's all quite complicated, but this continues to be one of the best. Um, teen superhero books and it's really good fun. So I am reluctant to read this because I like Ms. Marvel in the same way that I would like Spider-Gwen to not exist in the regular Marvel universe. I don't care about her being a part of the bigger Marvel universe, Ms. Marvel. Yeah. I think it w- I really loved learning about Jersey and about her family and about her schoolmates and even like all of the weird bad guys. And I like I like having the odd crossover like one character at a time, but her being an Avenger now, and and this book still being about all that, and you know, and well, about Civil War too. That doesn't appeal to me at all. Yeah, I understand that. I understand that completely. But I feel like this is um, this is still good, and Ms. Marvel is still a good one to check out because she doesn't actually cross over that much. Like Captain Marvel does show up in this, but she's kind of got her own area of the Civil War Two thing that she's kind of dealing with. Like there are characters in this that aren't don't appear anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's still quite sort of standalone and you don't need to read everything else that's going on um, to know what's going on here. But yeah, it's, it's cool. Still good. Still has that vibe. Still has that very like local sure. personal vibe, which I think is really good. And the art by um, Adrian Alfona and Takeshi Miyazawa, who are doing it um, in tandem somehow, uh, is very, very good. I like that a lot. They both hold the pencil. They both hold the pencil. Um, I also read issue 17 of The Amazing Spider-Man um, before Dead No More. So this is leading into the next big Spider-Man arc, which I think is... Which Spidey character do you reckon is going to come back from the dead? Um, I really hope it's not Uncle Ben. I think that that's what the sort of uh, preview material is implying. Which means hopefully that there are... They're tricking you. Yeah, hopefully they're tricking us, and it will be the superior Spider-Man. Wouldn't ah, that be cool? I don't Dr. think Dr. it will. Come back. Yeah, I don't maybe. think it will be, yeah, right. but that would be cool. But also, he's like, because he's not entirely... I can't remember what happened with him. Anyway, so this is all to do with the fact that... Um, oh, and this has art by R.B. Silver, whose art is very, very familiar, but I couldn't think of what else I know him from, but um, is excellent. So this is all to do with this new character who wears a dog's head whose name I forget, who can clone people. A um, lot of cloning stuff. Electro dies and his powers go into this new 
um, this new character who's sort of like a supervillain group. Electra dies? Yeah, yeah. How um, does Electra die? This chick who's like, um, she was like a... Uh, she was like a supervillain groupie, and then she went and made out with Electro, and Electro accidentally killed her because his powers were on the fritz. And then the doghead guy clones her, so this is like the new clone version of right. her. And she kisses Electro and steals all of his powers, and he dies. Wow. Yeah. So this is all R. kind R. of... Electro. Um, and the entire time all this is happening, the Prowler is um, working for Peter Parker and finding out what is going on at this guy's... Um, Headquarters because uh, Peter Parker wants to use his cloning techniques to save a um, employee of his. Right. So he wants to make sure it's safe before he actually does it. Um, and so the Prowler goes to find out what's going on and then accidentally, well not accidentally, gets killed by this new female Electro and gets cloned and now he seems to be on the side of the dog-headed guy. So it's obvious that the cloning technique does something a bit nuts to people and it'll be interesting to find out what happens um with all this stuff yeah i Is, like it isn't the prowler miles morales uncle yeah something like that so he died too yeah now he's back now he's cloned <laughs> hey, clone version. Again. but the Even whole thing evil. is like um the clones need to take this pill every single day so they're like have to hang out with the doctor uh, right anyway pretty good I've, I've explained it in an incredibly complicated way it is not it is not that difficult to understand and it's um it's good dan slot just has Let's a really good grip how on many things. how many issues is biomedical is going to run right 300 oh man how many is you written so far uh probably like 100 yeah probably probably that many so that is uh marvel done dc done first issues done we may move over to image now nice quite a few image books this all four four great image books this week um the most notable of which is the return of Saga. Woo! What, what's this arc called? The the war on the war on Fang. Fang. P H A N G. And, and uh, Fang is a a, a meteor um, mm-hmm. that um, I can't remember what it's, it's like. There's lots of refugees on it, and um, it's a almost like a, a middle ground between um, the two uh, opposing forces. Um, in Saga, I'm doing an even worse job of being you were of explaining why. Actually, but, I mean, you did a fine job of re- recapping, actually. Saga, Saga is, um, I mean, it's it's such an involved book that it, it really doesn't even, we shouldn't really even go into what happens in the issue because if you're reading Saga, then you already know what's going on. And if you're not reading Saga, you should be reading Saga. Stop listening and no, go and totally. buy volume one right now. And yeah, you almost don't want to give like a summary of what's happening at the start of this arc because then in doing that, you spoil what happened in the end of the last yeah. arc. Like, this and there's a lot going on in this issue. Yeah. Like, I, like, I feel like saying, whoa, Electro died. That's not really a spoiler because yeah. like those kind of superheroes and supervillains doesn't mean shit. Also, this has... As is classic for Saga, one of those um, issue panels that you'll be reading on the bus, and they go, "Oh no!" Yeah, I was in the, I was in the train. Big gray erect massive, robot dick, massive robo dick, really hectic masturbation scene. <laughs> nice one, BKB. <laughs> uh, yeah, he loves he loves he loves throwing one of those in. There. He just loves he loves like an unexpected massive dick right in your face. <laughs> <laughs> He's on dick and balls. Those, that was like the funniest, that that hideous beast that had big, yes! droopy, like pustular oh, balls. So good. Real also, um, I mean, how good is Fiona Staples? This issue is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, great, 
great robo dick. Um, and then just throughout the whole issue, so beautiful, so beautiful. So she beautiful does such is incredible robo dicks. Work. Just robo dicks in every page. It's just amazing how beautiful she can make a robo dick. Um, I think it's like one of the best things about Saga is just the wealth of characters in it yeah. that haven't been in it from the start that like you think are seemingly brought up like as these bit players, but then he adds so much to them, and then suddenly like you know. They all, like there are just groups of characters that have all been introduced completely separately yeah. that have somehow crossed lives through mm-hmm. this story and are now like on the same team now. And that's why it's so hard to explain because totally like I mean the the team that's um, the little girl Sophie and the um, bounty hunter who yeah. are going to avenge the will like all this stuff is so, so you, you just spoiled something yeah like I mean yeah sorry I, <laughs> um, but you know like it's it's you so didn't really, he's not dead so he's it's all good. Dead. <laughs> um, anyway, it's very, very good, and you should all be reading Saga. Yeah. And beautiful wraparound cover. Amazing wraparound issue. cover. I love wraparound covers. They're so good. I love Fiona Staples. She's great. Are we going to whisper the rest of the episode now? <laughs> uh, I read East of West 29. I know you're not reading East of West. This, no. This is uh, by Jonathan Hickman with art by Nick Dragotta. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the end of year two, and I think it is the best wrap-up book that wrap, wrap up that, that this series has ever done by like by far mm. um it was like it's action-packed incredible oh, god the art is beautiful oh so I really and the colors in this issue in particular so yeah. gosh damn good i i like i would i know it's hard for you mm. to find time i would love for you this is the perfect point for you to catch up so we okay. can start reviewing this in time for <sighs> like each new issue to come out all right and I feel like this would be such a great book to read and trade. Yeah, um, I have the first few trades at home, so. But this I'll try and this last arc in particular, it, like again, you know, completely pointless me trying to sum up mm. what 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 what's been happening. Uh, but you know, I love father son reunions, and this oh, has, yes. has a spectacular one. Ah, okay. Um, and uh, I just, yeah, I just. Man, it ended so well, and I'm so excited for it to come back. And, you know, they could take a year to come back at this point. Mm. I just want them to get that story perfect, get the art done, and have it, get on that schedule to, to give me the good stuff again. Nice. Um, this book is one of those ones where, like, occasionally you'll ha- read an issue, you're like, wait, who are all these characters again? Mm. And then by the end, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I kind of know what's happening. And then, But then this, this issue was just a brilliant summary of everything that, everything that, that it's, it's been leading up to, and, and it, the payoff was fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. It's like well, probably my favorite comic that I read this week. Nice. Um, I read Tokyo Ghost, which was the final issue, issue ten. Um, well, it's done. Yeah, That's done. Finally, I mean, Remender put, puts a puts a cap on one of his comics. He has he has threatened to bring it back, and he definitely left it. Um, the ending is open, so that if they wanted to come back and do more Tokyo Ghost stories, they absolutely could. And man, just one of those issues that Rick Remender really nails, like really killed the ending of this so emotional R.I.P. so beautiful the ending dies yeah <laughs> um really really excellent um hard to explain again because it's wrapping up you know the ending of something but did he maintain that like goofy technology is going to be the end of the human species kind of vibe like it doesn't end yeah. with them all like using wood instead of electronics or something does it no yeah it basically does oh, it basically <laughs> ends, it ends with tech being like destroyed and the world is a better place and she is a beautiful magical yeah. like I'm, I'm not earth mother <laughs> earth mother who has to bring um you know teach everyone how to use the land which i loved because i constantly fantasize about destroying all technology really yeah i hate technology i Why? hate the future it scares me no it's the horrible best. it's horrible and it scares me I'm recording um, out our, our voices into a little box, and then we put them into a slightly bigger box, and then everyone gets to listen to us yeah, on, that on boxes of all shapes and sizes. That bit's pretty good. 
but I'm scared of um, I'm scared of a lot of things. It's fine. Anyway, this was a good this was good um, a good finale, good wrap up for the whole thing. Um, makes me actually want to revisit. If he did write more, I would definitely definitely check it out. Um, yeah, and ten issues and done. Pretty pretty um, tight for Remendo, really. Yeah. Like he's not he does sort of big sprawling stories, and I thought that this was going to go on for ages so it's nice to have that just kind of done in two trades instead i'm reading all the ones that are taking ages and yeah. they're all pretty good yeah. um sean murphy who did art on tokyo ghost is doing a batman book next right really i think so yeah like Ooh. writing and drawing a batman book sick that's like going to be closer to like paul pope's batman year 100 than anything else lately i hope it is um also from image this week i read lazarus issue 24 by greg rucker um one of these books that feels like it's been going for like 60 issues but mm. crazily we're only up to issue 24 um, again, another one that's like like all image books, impossible to explain to anyone once mm. you've like your past five issues. But uh, this current arc is probably the best arc so far in the in the series, just because he's built this incredible um, you know future world where everything sucks. But you kind of just you know when when he, when, when things are introduced now, he doesn't need to do all the world building stuff anymore. It's it's just you know what this world world is about, whatever all the characters in it are capable of, and it's just this really great setup for awesome stories and that's exactly what we're getting right now um yeah i kind of wish i had a lazari to do all my killing for me yeah that would be sick but i'd be good to, i'd be good to my lazari oh yeah she, yeah she would she would like she would know that i respected her, Treat her well yep. that's nice that's nice of you um and my lazarus lazar i'm bad at how many would you have just one? Just one. I mean, okay. God, she'd be a very good Lazarus. Yeah. So that's fine. Um, did you read Jubilee's Legacy 2 this week? Right, cool. Um, this was uh, a, another father and son book. Mm. Lots of parenting going on in, yeah. uh, in books this week. Perfect um, in time for Australian Father's Day. Yes. Um, and uh, this was uh, basically like awesome like tr- recruiting um, a, a, your, your dad who's become a, who, who's, who was a supervillain many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, He's he's not really he's not so much incarcerated is and as he is just kind of disillusioned with the world and just bored. So he just sits he's and, hidden himself away. Yeah. Hidden himself away and he's just drinking and, and watching T V. <coughs> um pretty sweet. And uh yeah, this, this is just this great kind of reunion. Um and then kind of explaining how everyone got to where they are right or how how he kind of got to where he is right now and uh them trying to recruit him to to help uh, overthrow the the current superheroes who are ruling over everyone at the moment. And it does a really good, um, like it, it encapsulates really perfectly that sort of idea of the supervillains think that they're right. They don't think they're bad guys. He thinks he's doing the right thing. And mm. it's this real, like he is in this case, the supervillain is genuinely doing the right thing and the heroes are wrong and they've gone, they're out of control. And there's this bit where he realizes like after he's just been beaten to a bloody pulp and he hears the people around cheering, the fact that he's just been beaten up and he's like, what is the fucking point? I am trying to save you people. And I'm just being like, you're cheering the fact that they've just destroyed me. Like I am out. And I was like, that, that, that's a cool, that's a cool thing you did, Malar. Uh, yeah, but then this issue ends on the dumbest Malar thing that I've read in a long while, um, which is just a full page of a big, muscly old dude smoking a cigarette and saying, we just kick the living shit out of them. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, was cool. I love being a guy reading comics. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah, it is. It is and also then I one opened of those... a beer with my eye. It is one of those ones that Mark Millar uses a character who is a bad guy to say like offensive things that I think Mark Millar just kind of thinks. So yeah, there's totally. like the the villain guy calls like all women like 
hot stuff and sweet pants and other weird shit. I don't think he says either of those things, but it's the vibe. You're terrible at being a sexist old man. I've been working on it. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about some Dark Horse books that we read this week. Mm -hmm. Um, Predator versus Judge Dredd versus Aliens. That's a good starting point. Hell yeah. Issue two, written by John Lehman with art by uh, Chris Mooneyham. That's a good last name. That's a good name. Um, This is a sick book. This is a really, really fun book. And apparently there's already been uh, Judge Dredd versus Aliens books before. Mm -hmm. Um, But you don't really need to know anything about the... the, Like, you know, all you need to do is see a Predator movie, watch an Aliens movie, and like, you know, read one Judge Dredd comic at any point in your life. I've never even watched a Predator movie. Wow. I still like well, this. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, all they are is what they're called. They're yeah. predators. Yeah, I understand completely. They can do invisible stuff and they can kill you. Some of them have different hats. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I understand completely. I understand less this Judge Dredd, the, like the fact that there's so many animal, anthropomorphic animals in Judge Dredd. Well, no, that, that's like the, 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 the bad guys. Oh, yeah, He's doing experiments guy. on them. No, I did understand that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, this is cool. This is like exactly what it says on the tin. If you like the concept of Judge Dredd fighting predators and aliens in a good, like, interesting, fun, well-drawn story, then this is this is for you. Yeah, and the uh, most incredible thing about this book is that uh, before he gets uh, captured by someone who's trying to bring aliens back, who is also being hunted by predators, mm-hmm. Judge Dredd and his uh, and his judge crew. Uh, take down a bad guy called Archbishop Emoji. Yeah, that was fun. I want to see I more. I, I would read an entire like run of a, a book called Archbishop Emoji. Totally. Doesn't he have like the right sort of like? Seems like he should have been a villain in a Vertigo book in like or like yeah. Doom Patrol or something. Doesn't? Oh, it seems like it was yeah, written yeah. by Grant Morrison and makes, definitely made me giggle. Um, this is just, this is a great. This book is so much better than it should be. Yeah, the art is spectacular too. Absolutely. Yeah, um, highly recommend. My, my favorite. Like I, that was like the second book I read this week. I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, totally. It really was a, quite up the top of my pile. Um, I also read very quickly another Aliens book, mm-hmm. Aliens Defiance. As did I. Uh, by Brian Wood and uh, Tony Rossini on art. Um, who knows what's happening to Tristan Jones? Apparently, on, according to his Twitter, he's still writing. He's still doing art in this book. So maybe he just took it two two months, two issues off. I mm-hmm. don't know. Let's hope so. Um, but that said, uh, uh, Troy Rossini's art's really good. But the real thing about this is is the character mm. um, within it, the main character. Um, what's her, is, her, is her name? Um, Zula Hendricks, yeah. and um, she is like a failed marine, and we and we learn the extent of you know how she feels she's failed mm. her, her country by um by basically only serving for a couple minutes before she was taken out of combat, mm-hmm. and they spend you know millions of dollars trying to recuperate her, and she feels like she has this you know real deed that she has to pay back to 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 the army for for you know her not fighting for as long as she did originally. Mm. Um, a lot of complaints of this book has been, where are the aliens? And but isn't I don't give a fuck. Yeah, like, like, the reason Alien is such a, like, brilliant movie is because you barely see the aliens, and that's what makes them scary, and that's what makes totally. them, like, this horrible threat that they're just taking people down from... You, you see a lot of dead alien carcasses floating in space in this, but I think, like, I just think that the, the strong point of this book is 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 the character of Zula and how mm. well-written she is by Absolutely. Brian Wood. She's such a good um, successor to Ripley. And... Even better is the uh, the the robot in this mm. who who you know is being, tr- trying to become more human, but mm. it's not schmaltzy in any way. It's just no, no it's great. Uh, so she's uh, Zula, this ends with uh, Zula Hendricks kind of making contact with her doctor, mm. um, and now that probably means that people on Earth and the Marines can track this spaceship down and almost definitely. Uh oh, 
Alien time. Nice. Like that's, I, I'm more than happy of like with reading like a ten issue Alien story, knowing that aliens might not show up until like issue nine. Yeah, I'd be fine if they didn't. Even if it was just a, a whole story about like the ethics of bringing an alien back to Earth. Mm. I'm into that. Totally. Um, again, I'm not not entirely sure where this fits chronologically, but it's it's a really great standalone story. Like I feel like you could read this without even watching the Alien movies and still enjoy it. Absolutely. Finally, from Dark Horse, issue two of Sergio Aragonés's uh, Gru, Frey of the Gods. Um, and uh, we really enjoyed the first issue because neither of us had really read any Gru before. And mm. uh, this one was still good, but definitely like I was like, oh yeah, now I know why I wouldn't read Gru every month. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, it's exceptionally cartooned. I think um, I would. I think I would read Gru every month. I love it. Okay, you do? Right. The bit, um, it really made me laugh, all the bits like about the different gods and how there's one god who takes the place of like a number of gods and he draws like the harvest festival god in a really funny way and like yeah I enjoyed yeah it. that was fun uh but yeah i mean so Gru is just like this like you know he's an exceptional ro- um, warrior but he's terrible at all other facets of being a human being and everyone yeah. everyone, everyone kind of hates, hates him. him everyone just totally hates him outright hates him uh and so he's kind of got two two brothers at war with each other and he's kind of in, walking in between both brothers and trying to uh, he just wants people to battle right yeah, that's, yeah, yeah that's all he wants so, all he wants is a fray all he wants is a fight uh yeah I, I think i really enjoy that part of it but yeah i mean some of the god stuff in this i thought was uh like just like you know you kind of kind of see what was going to happen with it a mile away but it's mm. still it's still funny yeah i really like also the back page ruffato Referto. Referto. He's his, uh, Gru's his dumb dog. Gru's like snow eated. Gru's Tintin. Um, and the back is like, he sees a dog eating something that he wants to eat. So he tells the dog that his dog wife might be getting off with another dog. And like, that's the whole gag. I love that. Yeah. Great. He steals the meat. Great job. Classic work, Referto. Did you read James Bond this week? No, because I'm going to read it in trade. Man, it's so good. I know. It's just so good. And this one introduces you to the best version of Q, who is the guy that gives James Bond all mm-hmm. these cool gadgets um, I've ever seen. And then, like, the final chapter, the final like, few pages of this was just, like, a like entirely silent uh, espionage um, thing where James Bond trying to infiltrate, like, a, a train yard. And, and the so, art is so like clean and art, art clear is and incredible. Beautiful. And I've read uh, Ian Masters on art. Like I've read, like you know, it could be coloured a bit more dynamically. I think like it's mm-hmm. very blocky colours. Um, I kind of like that though. I kind of feel like it looks a bit um, strippy, like mod almost. Right. You know? Sure. Yeah. Uh, it I'm, reminds I'm, me of it reminds me of like early Jamie McKelvey. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I I see that for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's he's great on this. Yeah. Um, but. I'm, I'm a bit worried. I'm getting concerned. I think this might be the last. There might be like one or two issues left of this, and then Warren Ellis is going to stop doing James Bond. Oh, lame. And it looks like Andy Diggle is taking over. And there's oh, a that's pre- a decent yeah, replacement, but, though. But look at the art on this one. Here it's by someone called um, Luca Casalanguida. Mm. And I just like, again, it's like, yeah, it's just not very... Not, 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 not the exciting kind of clean art that I've really enjoyed from this book at all. Oh, yeah, it's a bit it is sketchier, and yeah. it is, yeah. It I is just feel like this is like the best thing Dynamite's putting out right now, and they should splurge on a really good artist. Yeah, I agree. Um, but at the very least, we've gotten two amazing volumes worth of 
um, Warren Ellis James Bond stories. Man, get 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 Warren Ellis to write a James Bond movie. Totally. Get a bit fun. Or again. just get Warren Ellis to play James Bond. Yeah, that'd be fun. That would be mental. <laughs> just the old, like a really old grizzly version of James Bond who does not give a fuck. Hey, we haven't talked about um, Afterlife with Archie yet. I know that's crazy. That's because I thought this maybe was the weakest one in the series so far. Yeah, a couple of people have um, said that, and I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the reason is that this takes us really dramatically away from the action of the last couple of issues and seems like it's sometimes it's a little bit frustrating when a book comes out as irregularly as something with the afterlife with Archie when it feels like a sort of tacked on issue because this is basically just introducing us to Josie and the Pussycats. They did this with I think, issue five where mm-hmm. we got we went and saw what, what was happening with Sabrina and she yeah. gets made the Bride of Cthulhu or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, is it Cthulhu or Cthulhu? Cthulhu. Cthulhu. Um, and uh so this is all about Josie and the Pussycats, and it's it's a it's about how like apparently Josie Josephine, who becomes mm-hmm. uh, Josie of Josie and the Pussycats, and her uh, group of uh, singers and the people in a band have been around since 1913, mm-hmm. and uh, Josie gets bitten by a vampire, and um, basically Josie and the Pussycats uh, reinvent themselves every decade. And and cover their tracks so no one links that that you know they're, they're the same girls in each band. I kind of loved it. I just thought like I, I love the idea. I love the concept behind it. I just thought that the execution was very telly in a quite boring way. Like I feel like they, they could be a bit more. Uh, I don't know. I, I just feel like they could have taken like like showed us a lot more than just like I, you know I, I don't love narration yeah. in comics. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, and this was just entirely narrated by Josephine, Josie telling uh, someone from the press all about her life before she ate him. Yeah, I kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think I can probably agree that this is definitely one of the weaker issues um, of the series. Man, Francesco Francavia though is so good. Oh, look, I think like art wise, this, this was, was so. Oh, and it was so great seeing him, you know, able to draw. Every incarnation of Josie and the Pussycats mm-hmm. in each decade with different outfits and different hair and yeah. different songs. Yeah. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I want now just a Josie and the Pussycats as Vampire series. Yeah, for sure. Do it. But give me that. Don't don't give me that. And then as like a, you know, in between issues of, of the afterlife story. Yeah. Know. Well, I guess like the reason they did all this is because now Josie and the Pussycats are going to show up in Riverdale because they were planning to do a show there anyway. So what happens when vampires are also thrown into the mix? Who knows? Good fun. Too many cooks in the kitchen, maybe, I think. Do you need zombies and and Draculas? (laughs) As they prefer to be called. Um, Well, I guess we wait and see. Last book I read this week, I need Mm -hmm. one more. Um, Avatar X by Grant Morrison. Um... And art by Edison Manu George. Uh, this is issue two, I put out by Graphic India. Um, I thought the first issue of this was this bizarre by numbers kind of story of a of a god being spanked by a bigger god and having mm-hmm. his powers anchored to someone on Earth, and it was mm-hmm. very just like wordy, but from that kind of boisterous god language uh, the yeah. whole way through. And I was like, what, what is this? What's got? Where is this leading to? And it was very like for a Grant Morrison comic, it was very focused on one thing. Yeah. Um, here we see the world op- kind of open up as this character Avatar X comes to Earth and finds himself anchored to like a womanizer kind of hopeless mm. uh, brother of of someone who could have been potentially great, but he's uh, broken his back and is paralyzed from mm-hmm. the neck down. Um, and Avatar X, he's he's stripped of his power unless he kind of. 
charges, charges up with up the guy. With, with, the, with the human that he's anchored to. So Actually, kind of like um, Quantum and Woody, I suppose. Okay. Where they have to bash bracelets to be able to have their powers. I, I don't know that that's fine. Yeah. Are they, are they, do they hate each other or are they good mates? They are brothers with a... They have a difficult relationship. Right. Okay, sure. Um... I actually really enjoyed this issue. Me too. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I, someone I, else likes it. I really didn't like issue one, but I thought this was cool. How fun is the? I like um, I like the bad guys who are these like sort of weird fire tubes with big muscly arms. I think that looks really cool and Kirby-ish and weird. Yeah, definitely. It it, it really feels like Grant Morrison writing a comic in the '60s. Totally, because it does feel like I think a couple of the criticisms that other staff members have had of this, looking at you, Wayne, is that it's too like it's too basic, it's too paint by numbers, it's too like yeah. You know, superhero tropes. Bad and good. But yeah. I kind of like that. I kind of like that it's a bit pared back and a yeah. little bit simple and a little bit like, here's what you need for a superhero book and like. Yeah, and yeah, the guy that he's been anchored fun. to has like a big Indian family and yeah. they're all like kind of like, you need to go and be a hero. You need to finally go and do something good with your life. And he's uh, like, well, I don't want to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that he, he goes, okay, but if we have to do this, we have to do it my way. And so now when they like charge, they high five and he yeah. shouts high five. Which I was <laughs> so funny. Yeah, I like this. I like it too. I'm glad. It feels. It like kind it. of feels a bit similar to Klaus, a Klaus in a weird yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Which um, exciting news? We just heard that they are going to do a um, special issue um, for Christmas. Oh, that's so awesome! It's going to be awesome. I hope they do that every year. Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, that'd, that'd be, be great. Fun if like every year you got a cool Claus issue. Um, I also last thing I read um, was a Valiant comic. I read the fourth issue of Four Thousand and One AD, which has been their sort of crossover event, and I believe is actually the last issue. It's kind of fun. Four issue four-issue event we're used to seeing sort of sprawling annoying 12-issue events and things like that um so this is cool it's pretty much just setting up where what the sort of who the valiant heroes are in 4001 ad um yeah good just matt kent continues to write good um good valiant comics yeah, totally. I, that, that's the thing. Like, I've gone from going, I'm going to pick up every single Valiant comic to I'm going to pick up every Valiant comic that Mark, Matt Kent wrote. Yeah. That said, I only read one issue of this. <laughs> also, the Jeff Lemire ones are pretty good too. Oh, no, I too. I, I just he doesn't, hasn't done a number one in a while. Yeah, totally. As Matt Kent's always doing those minis. Yeah. So that is all the reviews that we're going to do this week. Uh, hopefully, we recommended something that you have not been reading yet and you can add it to your pull list. Absolutely. Um, we did have an email this week. From uh, Callum Smith. Thanks for writing in again, Callum. Um, Callum says, Hello, it was great to hear the positive reception to the latest issue of Atomic Robo. Atomic Robo. Atomic Robo. If you or other listeners want to give the series a try, then it might be worth trying the archives on the Atomic Robo site where all the issues from the last nine years are available for free. It's all very much top banana. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. I'd forgotten that you can actually read that much of Atomic Robo for free online, which is awesome. So un- unheard of. Yeah, I yeah. Know. That's wild. But if it gets more people reading it, then great. Um, Callum goes on to say, also, I wanted to know which existing characters slash team you'd write if you were given a six-issue miniseries and which artist you'd want to illustrate it, which is such a fun question. So, Siobhan, you told me this before we started the issue, the episode, and I forgot to think about it at all. Have you given this any thought whatsoever? Well, the only reason I have given this... a bit of thought was because something that came up um this morning which we all had a lot of fun giggling over in the office um yesterday um i was sent a picture of an issue from um they have a bunch of rare comics at sydney university library Mm official library at the moment if you're interested and you're a university student go give them a look because it's pretty cool um but i was sent someone sent me to guess what the what the issue was and i had no idea what it was 
So I googled um, the New Guardians, which was something that spun out from a event at DC called Millennium in, I think, 1988, 89, mm-hmm. which I haven't read and I have no knowledge of this at all, but I recognized um, Harbinger, who was the character from Crisis on Infinite Earths in it. So this is a really weird team who um, became really notorious because they had a... Um, their one of their major villains was called Snowflame, who got her powers from um, use of cocaine. Excellent. What a good power. But they had the most... Batman would have been a big fan of that. Yeah, Batman would have been into that. Um, but there was... I mean, the list of characters, like, are totally insane. So there was Betty Clawman, who was formerly an Australian woman, now a disembodied cosmic force <laughs> residing in the Aboriginal Dreamtime. Dodgy, very dodgy when people try and do things around Aboriginal Dreamtime. But what a fun character to um, revisit. Extraño, who was a Peruvian male a magician, and one of the first obviously gay characters in comics, even though because of... Um, comics Code. Comics Code, they couldn't explicitly say at the time. It was very apparent to everyone. He was also one of the first characters to reveal he was HIV positive. There was then another HIV positive um, character on the team called Jet, an English girl who was bitten by the Hemogoblin, a vampire with AIDS. <laughs> like, how incredible is this series? Um, there was also Floronic Man, a guy called Gloss. Oh, no, a woman called Gloss, who was a Chinese woman who channels the mystic dragon lines of the Earth. Um, Ram, formerly a Japanese man, now a being of silicon and electronics, and Thomas Kalmaku, who um, people who are fans of early, slightly racist Greenland comics might know as Pieface, um, who was just a friend of Hal Jordan's, who then develops the superpower to bring out the best in people. Wow. So if I had six issues of anything to write, I would write a New Guardian well, series. Because you'd need to read it first. I would need to read it first. No, just with that. You could just, <laughs> like, no one cares about these characters. You could do whatever you wanted with them, and they're mental, and they sound so fun. Like a, char- a team with two HIV-positive characters with, like, a really, like... A Peruvian, an Aboriginal woman, a Chinese woman, and Japanese man, like really ahead of its time, kind of incredible sounding. Um, the original series was written by Steve Englehart, who I haven't actually written much of. I mean, read much of. But um, I mean, that sounds that sounds insane, right? Yeah, that's I would, insane. I would, I would read that. I want yeah. them to put it back in print or do something like Marvel Unlimited. Come on, DC. I would like to write a um a, a, a story. Or a long series, sixty issue series, all about Cosmo. Um, yes, from uh, Marvel's Cosmic Universe. Oh he no, is... I thought you meant the Wonder Dog. Oh no, who's Cosmo? Yeah, he's the dog. Oh right, okay. Yeah, yeah he's the he's the dog in 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 Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, oh no, he, he's, I'm thinking of other ru- dogs. He's the Russian space <laughs> space space dog. Great, excellent. I am. Thinking Ex- of and he's dog. there, and he is kind of like the the head of uh, operations on. Um, Whatever the name of the big space station is in nowhere, in, yes, yeah, um, and uh, he's the best, yeah, and he uh, he just speaks in like you know like totally cliched Russian English dialogue, best. But he's a dog, and he has a psychic link to all other characters. So well, I would write want? that, and I would get who draws good dog. Um, I mean, like I just I just steal Erica Henderson or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I would steal or Brittany Williams. Yeah, we do great, great dog comics. That would be awesome. I have to think. So, who does amazing team superhero books? Who I love. Um, I would I, see. I just, all I can think of is Tradmore because I love Tradmore. Oh man, dude! I want, I want, I want Tradmore because <laughs> for Cosmo, my we Cosmo all series. bags Tradmore. <laughs> um, 
Good question, though, Cal. That Great was question. fun. I'm going to think about that more. You can send your questions to us, seriousissues at kingscomics.com. We love answering them. We love thinking about them. We love arguing with you. So, uh, according to all, just, just follow that guide and, uh, and send us an email. Seriousissues at kingscomics.com. Tell us why. You can also hit us up on our Facebook account, which is facebook.com slash seriousissuespodcast. Uh, what issues should we take in? What serious issues should we uh, keep an eye out for this week? On the um, stands. Well, I mean, it's quite. Uh, it's a bigger week mm-hmm. next week than this week. Um, so there's actually some rebirth titles. Actually, some rebirth titles. We also have um, a new number one from Aftershock Comics called Alters. Um, this is notable because it's um, a trans hero, so that should be really interesting and really good. And I hope it's. I hope it's really really good. Um, we also have the next issue of Batman mm-hmm. issue six. So that um, is the final uh, issue of the I Am Gotham. Arc. Yeah, and this is going to be like a year one story for Gotham Girl, so it's, it's going to jump in time quite a lot. Which yeah, is pretty fun. Which is really cool. We also get um, Cyborg Rebirth. I really want. I want a good Cyborg series. He deserves one for sure. I really want that. Um, or yeah, that's what I want. Um, we also get a new. We have a couple of new image number ones. Something called Eclipse issue one. Um, there's a new Fable series. Uh huh. Excellent. Which I think is mostly going to be fables. about Cinderella. You've never read Fables, really? No. no. Huh. You should read Fables. It's it seems, good. It seems whimsical. It is whimsical, <laughs> but it's it gets really emotional. Okay. I love it. Um, Glitterbomb, another image, image number title. one about a middle-aged actress. Interesting. Written by Jim Zub, who is not someone I would have thought would do that, mm-hmm. but totally. that, is, that is quite cool and interesting. Goldie Vance, issue five. And so this is the, uh, it was only ever meant to be a four-issue miniseries, mm-hmm. and this is the first of the ongoing series, which is exciting. Super exciting. And, of course, the second issues of uh, Kill or Be Killed and my favorite comic, Marvel Sum Sum. Going to be a lot of squealing in the King's office on Wednesday from Lynn. I love Sum Sums. I'm, I am addicted to the Sum Sum game on my phone now. There is a <laughs> Disney one and there is a Marvel one. Nice. And I had to use my American iTunes login so I could download the Marvel one. And now, because it's like one of those free-to-play games, yep. which uh, you know you have to like pay money if you want to play continually. Yeah. But if I just play between each of them, I never have to do that. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. I'm getting real good at it, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good to play while I hold a baby in one hand. Nice. <laughs> uh, parenting's fun, you guys. Happy Father's Day to me. And happy Father's Day to all the dads listening right now. And, and all, all our your favorite dads. dads in comics. Like who? Reed Richards. Uh, uh, currently <laughs> Superman. Um, who else is a dad in I comics? Guess, I guess Bruce Wayne is the Batman's yeah? the dad. Deathstroke. You're a terrible father. He's a terrible father. He sucks. Also, did you see that he's going to be in Batman? Ugh. Not Justice League. Batman. I know. I just find that. So I, I spoke about this briefly last week on Hey Fam, which is another podcast you can check out that I do each week. Mm-hmm. Uh, find it on iTunes. Why are there? Give serious issues a nice review. We haven't, got, we haven't had a good review on our iTunes, or I haven't had a review yeah. on our iTunes in months. And we've had, we've had more listeners than ever. Yeah, so come on, guys. Come on, new listeners. Pull your socks off and give us a nice little review on iTunes. We if appreciate that. If you feel like that. it, that would be nice. If you, like, if you don't feel like <laughs> it, unless, and just don't just go and leave us a bad review. That would be, that'd be shit else. Yeah, Forget okay. I said anything. <laughs> Ignore Levens. But uh, on HeyFan last week, I talked about how, like, you know, the the DC movies, their biggest criticism has been how, like, you know, relentlessly dark and mm. kind of, like, monster energy drink, you know, mm. crappy, like, you know, taking so much, way too much influence from the Arkham games. Absolutely. And... We're like, oh, don't worry. Like this Batman movie, you know, Bruce, Bruce, sorry, uh, Ben Affleck is going to change everything. You know, he's he's got the right idea. But he to just have doesn't. Deathstroke announces like Deathstroke is just like the crappy, edgy, dumb, middle-aged man, like villain. Yeah. For Arkham game fans. Yeah. I don't like. There's no. There's, 
That, that may, I mean, I, I get that the appeal is that he's never been portrayed on screen before, and people know who he is now, and like you know, he's got a kind of colourful and very recognisable costume. But he's costume, not even but... like a Batman villain. I understand that people think he is now because of the Arkham yeah. games, but like. Batman has probably the best rogues gallery in comics. Yeah. Like, we haven't seen a good Riddler on screen. That seems like a bigger thing to me than flippin' Deathstroke. Flippin' or Deathstroke, Flippin' Deathstroke. Jesus Christ. You know, there's just, there's better. Do Penguin again. Do Two-Face. <laughs> Two-Face. I just, want, I just want just Two-Face forever. Yeah, just Two-Face forever. He's the yeah, best one. He's the best one. Oh, Deathstroke. Anyway, oh, well. we'll see it. I'm looking forward to giving that movie a bad review. <laughs> I've already blocked <laughs> in. <laughs> I want it to not be bad. Yeah. Uh, you can find us online, as we said earlier, facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast, or you can mm-hmm. find us on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Give us a follow. We're almost at 50 followers. Isn't that cool? That's nice. Um, it feels weird having such a low, low follow account. But... Pretty sure that's more followers than I actually have on Twitter, so <laughs> no. it seems major. Uh, serious underscore underscore issues is where we are on Twitter, and you can find us online uh, individually um, at Siobhan CBG that's on Twitter me. and Instagram, and I'm at LevDog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G. Love to hear from you and love uh, hearing from everybody when about the episode, about the different comics that you're reading. And especially even if, you know, we say something that you don't agree with, just call us out on it. We'll, yeah. have, we'll have a discussion on it. Absolutely. We've got one of our biggest fans loves Harley Quinn. And, yeah. And just tells us, you know, uh, we've we got different ideas on it, but that's okay. It's the beauty of comics, guys. We're diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, Siobhan, what do we always say? <laughs> Stay serious, you guys. Bye-bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.